Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We love saving you money, and we love companies trying to save the world. We've got some new information about Ball and their manufacturing plant in Golden. They're currently looking for production technicians. You can read the full description and apply at jobs.ball.com by searching for Golden. Now, this is a position on the front line of the aluminum beverage can production process at Ball's plant in Golden, and they're offering a competitive $27.39 per hour rate with potential increases at 6, 12, and 18 months on the job. It also offers exposure to a lot of other manufacturing opportunities in the plant. Employees who've started out as production technicians have even gone on to other roles in operations and management. Now, this includes comprehensive insurance, active the day of hire, 401k for retirement, stock purchase ownership program, and even potential for an annual bonus. There are major benefits for working for a company like Ball. So text GOLDEN to 77222 and you'll get linked to their open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. That's jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee is infused with CBD and CBG and can be delivered to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks. However frequently you need it, their CBD-infused coffee has got me feeling great, um, particularly because it can help with all kinds of joint pains, chronic headaches, even IBS. Yes, it can help with all of those things and more, and it gives you zero coffee jitters, but you can't beat that. And now when you go to Strava Craft Coffee, you can get 25% off with code DNVR25. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today as he does every single week, and in good timing too, Mr. Goodman, it is Drew Goodman, voice of the Colorado Rockies for AT&T Sports, but you probably know him better for his Drew Goodman podcast. It's Drew Goodman. Uh, yeah, you know, with the millions of downloads every week, we appreciate uh, all of you out there on the Drew Goodman podcast and the Drew Goodman podcast world. Yeah, uh, there's a little bit of uh, baseball news in this period where we're kind of devoid of baseball news that is pleasant. It was somewhat enjoyable yesterday going through the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft and learning about names of players who, if all things go well, they'll have a cup of coffee. But now we've we've got real things to talk about. Clint Hurdle is back with the Colorado Rockies, was announced yesterday by Tracy Ringlesby that uh, I believe starting January 1st, Clint Hurdle will be a special assistant to general manager Bill Schmidt. How exciting is that? It, it this has been in the works uh, for a while. In fact, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I mean, Clint had remained close with the organization with Dick Montfort, and uh, they they had a number of conversations about you know, kind of creating a role, and uh, it, it's obviously culminating with uh, being a special assistant to Billy Schmidt. I think he's going to have his his hand in, in a lot of areas. No, listen, Clint has great ties to the organization number one to the state of Colorado and I you know Clint's a friend and I can tell you that when Clint jumps in he doesn't stick a toe in he jumps in and jumps to the bottom of the pool and and it's like I'm all in and this is a good thing because you know Clint has a wealth of experience in the game from a personnel standpoint Uh, he has great leadership characteristics Um, he has a big literally and figuratively booming voice and so it's another really well-respected baseball person in the room but I think he'll be in a number of rooms and I look at it as a really 
um, you know, positive thing. And you go back and you think about, you know, I, I don't like using this term because we we hope there's, you know, soon there's going to be, you know, brighter days ahead and, and hopefully, you know, one day competing for championships, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But the, the heyday so far, as you know, in, in the history of the Rockies was that 07 period and, and the great run to the World Series and Clint was on the top step of the dugout then. Yeah, I thought you were going to say he has a big heart because we know he does. He has an enormous well. heart. So this is beyond the Rockies organization. This is great for the community because Clint loves to raise awareness, whether it's for Prodder Willie, which has afflicted, you know, his daughter Maddie, and she's doing great. I talked to Clint recently about her, and um, or, or any number of charitable um, functions. Clint, as I used that phrase a little while ago, he'll be all in. And and I think even though he's from Merritt Island, Florida, and, and you know, up until a couple of years ago, he was in Pittsburgh, and he did a really good job with the Pirates. I mean, the Pirates were a terrible organization. They, they ended up, you know, becoming relevant and going to the postseason a couple of times. Three three years in a row, I believe, actually. Right. Wild card, you know, they it doesn't they matter. The they got of that. Yeah. No, but I, but I need to division. say they didn't get a chance to have a series, right? Because they got mm-hmm. knocked out. I think they are up against Bumgarner twice and Jake Arrieta yeah. in his Cy Young year. But you're right. For a Pittsburgh team, a small market city like that, to do that for three straight seasons, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, very impressive. And so, uh, you know, but I, but, you know, I was talking about geographically, but he, there's a big part of Colorado, um, you know, for, for Clint and for Carla. I mean, they, they were dug in here. And so this is, you know, when I texted him this, this morning, I said, uh, I said, welcome home, you know, because th- I know it feels that way for him. Yeah. I, uh, odd random story and it's not a name drop cause we're talking about Clint Hurdle, but when we had him in, in 2019 for the, the Sabre banquet, the society for American baseball research, got a really great, great chapter here, uh, in Denver, had a fantastic zoom event, uh, on Wednesday and I actually got to pick him up from the airport. So it was him and Carla and talking about their, their two, two kids and talking about Maddie. And, and as a, a former teacher, I actually had a student who had Prader-Willi syndrome. And so that was kind of interesting, you know, learning about that. And again, just how much the, the city means to him and his family. As you said, he's a guy who jumps in, you know, he's all in when he does it. I think that's why it took so long for maybe a, a deal to get done. It wasn't right yet. He wanted to probably come back a year ago, right? Because there's, as you said, it's been in the works. We saw him at the All-Star game over the summer, which was great. He was here. Uh, I think he was in the building even for Larry Walker's uh, number retirement. But he wasn't able to give it 100%. And so uh, not going to give anything yet. Now, as you said, he's going to be able to give that 100%. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I really do. Uh, um, I'm excited that it finally got done. And... I do think as the Rockies kind of re- remake their front office, um, I think this, again, is a, is a really uh, positive step. Yeah, so you've got as a special assistant him, Vinny Castilla. Are, are there some other folks that you wouldn't mind seeing around? We knew that in spring training, you know, sometimes guys will come back, uh, you know, just to coach during that month in February and March. You know, can you think of, are there some other people that are, that are pivotal? And there, there's so many that are already around. Like you said, with that 2007 club, you know, Ryan Spielberg's Corey Sullivan, they're already at the ballpark every day. So I think you've, you've got a lot of those, anyone else that you could think of that would be a, a great fit. There's probably numerous people and it might take the right situation. We'd all love Todd Helton to come back at in some capacity, but are, are, are there some other people that you wouldn't mind seeing at some point down the line as a special assistant or in the organization in some way? Yeah. I, I don't know if it, if it's a full on role necessarily because you and I both know baseball is extremely time consuming. And so there are guys that may want to be tangentially involved, but that's a whole different thing than, you know, 24, seven, 365, which baseball tends to be. So I think your question's a wonderful one. And I will tell you that I've always felt like the Cardinals, they do so many things, right? And they embrace their history. Now, they have a long history. The Rockies' history is, is, is brief, certainly in comparison to a, an organization like the Cardinals. But they've always embraced the guys that played for them. 
and they strut them out, you know, periodically during the season. They may not have some sort of large role, but, you know, maybe it's showing up at spring training for, you know, three, four days or a week. And, and you, you're going to share, I'm, I'm going to mention a couple of guys. One, as we, Larry Walker, Hall of Famer, you know, bring Larry back. And he's been back before, but bring back Larry back for, for a week in outfield instruction and just be around in uniform. And I know he's done that with the Cardinals. Who cares? So, I mean, he played for a couple of organizations. Or three, obviously, if you include the Expos. Um, same thing with Matt Holliday. You know, when you talk about that period of time, Matt does stuff for the Cardinals. You know, he's moved because he's working in college baseball. He's back in Stillwater. Um, you know, Matt had his swan song, if you will, his second tour. Um, and his, you know, his tip of the fedora was in a Rockies uniform. I'd love to see Matt, you know, back involved. Uh, when, when you, as a young player, can walk around and go, man, there's a Hall of Famer. There's Larry Walker. Oh, Matt Holiday's in for a week in spring training. Uh, you know, Juan Pierre does a lot of work still with the Marlins. I'd bring Juan Pierre back. Let him do, let him work with hitters on bunting, uh, you know, and drag bunt, the Garrett Hampsons of the world, the guys that, you know, may utilize it. Um, so, yes, I, I would like to see more of that moving forward, even if it's on, uh, you know, a, a week in spring training type of thing, or maybe it's in the middle of the season and, and they bring them in and they're in uniform and they're, they're around the club. Um, I, I think it's, it, it's a positive thing on so many fronts, not only from an educational standpoint with the players, but when fans get to see them and other players as they come up that you're embracing your history, that there's yeah. been a past and there's been, and there's been a lot of positives in that past. And these are guys that represent that. Yeah. We see it with Vinny Castilla, at least, you know, you and I do, especially if you're down on the field, cause we've been in the clubhouse to see the interactions that a lot of the Latin American players in particular have with Vinny Castilla and how they feel like they're represented and, and the stories that they're, they're able to share and, um, that impact can go such a long way. As you said, with Holiday, when he came back in 2018, you know, there are so many stories of players from that roster, how they benefited from essentially the coaching that Holiday did about, hey, look, the pitcher's throwing 90 plus miles an hour. All you got to do is meet the ball. You don't have to worry about your power numbers. The homers will come. That's something that a lot of the young players benefited from to hear that from Holiday, not just a coach that played you know, 30, 40 years ago or whatever, and maybe doesn't have that same pedigree, but someone who, if we're talking about, you know, a, a ring of fame or the Rockies' own Hall of Fame, Matt Holiday is going to be there. So that that word and, and th that advice that, that he provided, just like any of the guys you mentioned, I think they would go such a long way in helping with player development, amongst other things. Yeah, and, and the name I was remiss in, in not mentioning, and you, you touched on it, um, you know, the great job Vinny's done, but Cargo, I mean, that's oh. a no-brainer. You got to bring Cargo back. I mean, he's adored maybe a, as much as anyone in the history of this franchise. You know, we know how popular Carlos Gonzalez is. I mean, how great would that be during the season? A couple times you see, you know, if you're a fan, you go to the ballpark and there's Cargo in uniform with that beautiful smile of his and uh, the benefit um, across the board because there, he and Gerardo Parra, at least in in my time, were the best. I don't want to call it a gap, but bridging, you know, the two cultures of kids that grew up in Latin America and kids that grew up in North America. And he made, and there are a number of guys who can do this, but he made that clubhouse whole. And Gerardo was the same way. And so, yes, absolutely bring back, uh, you know, bring back cargo. But uh, hopefully, hopefully those are things that, you know, happen more frequently in the future. Yeah, we'd certainly love to see it. I know at some point there was some discussion over at McGregor Square of there being a, a little Hall of Fame or something. I know the Diamondbacks, they just had their own little Hall of Fame uh, that, that opened on, on opening day 2019 when the Rockies uh, opened up in Arizona. So there's, there's tons of history here in, in, in Colorado. Well, Patrick, you know this because you do this every day. This is the 30th year. It, 30th when, season, that's right. This will be the 30th season. That's right. So, you know, that's not in, an, an insignificant uh, period of time. And I, I know that Dick Monfort wants to have a Hall of Fame. There's no better place, naturally, than McGregor uh, Square. And it, it's not fraudulent in that, well, okay, we're going to try to create something here. You have had a number of great players 
you don't have to be Cooperstown worthy to maybe make the Hall of Fame of a, of a given club, right? I'll give you another name of somebody to bring back because he's such a great guy. He's a great communicator. He's really positive. We saw him this summer. We had him on our air. He's one of my all-time favorite Rockies as well, and that's Brad Hopp. Oh, Hopper, yeah. Yeah, Brad Hopp. I mean, have him in uniform. Have him talk about outfield play and, and getting behind the ball you know, throwing the baseball, standing around the cage, you know, BSing with guys. He he works in the off season. I know, you know, Sam had a home run last night down in in the DR because he, he's playing winter baseball. Mm -hmm. um, but Brad and and Sam Hilliard from the same neck of the woods, you know, in the in the Fort Worth area, they're very close. Brad works with with Sam and has for a number of off seasons. So you know, bring Hopper back. Yeah, no, I I'm all for that. Like that that's something that we'll have to talk about like that that first class of of Hall of Famers because you know, Patrick Saunders said something interesting again uh in in our Saber Zoom that we had on Wednesday talking about how he'll he's now going to have a Hall of Fame ballot. This will be his first year. Yep. He's been covering the Rockies for a lot longer than that, but the way that the Baseball Writers Association of America operates is it has to be 10 consecutive years. So he had a break uh, in, in the chain there, uh, needed to be an editor for the Denver Post. But he'll have his first vote and takes it very seriously. And, and the thing that he brought up, I think, that does you know get, get lost sometimes in, in the conversation of these players, and I think, it, I think it's, a, it's a fair point, and it's something I know I've kind of forgotten, is the, that fame part of players who've stuck around in one place for their entire career. Because, you know, you don't have to get punished if you ended up getting traded or if you sign elsewhere for the betterment of your family or for the players association, whatever it may be. But those guys who stick around in one place for the entire time, how valuable that is and how special that can be. And so we, we know about that on just the Rockies community, but nationwide and for all of MLB, that's something that should help Todd Helton's campaign going forward here. If, if the writers can think about it in that context. Yes. I, I think, you know, clearly the deeper dive, and I give uh, a lot of your brethren uh, at the local chapter Sabre credit. Uh, you know, Manny was great uh, in, in terms of carrying the torch, if you will, for the candidacy of Larry Walker and opening people's eyes nationally uh, to take a close look at the numbers of Larry Walker and understand baseball at altitude understand from a physical standpoint what it does and i think that has helped todd's candidacy enormously i've said this before i've said this with you patrick i've said it on my own podcast i've said it uh, you know on the street when people uh, come up to me initially i felt like todd was hall of fame worthy when he retired back in 2013 but i felt like he was going to be really an uphill climb like many people who who follow Colorado baseball closely because the bias against Coors Field was so significant. Um, it's still there, but it's it's diminished uh, to a certain degree in that there are people who have votes that are not just dismissive anymore of, of what took place and what does take place and have a better understanding of, of baseball at altitude. So... I mean, I still see it. I still, you know, it's like with Trevor Story out there. Boy, the splits are really dramatic. No shit, pardon my language. <laughs> They're always going to be dramatic. How about you then do a little homework and look at guys that left, like Matt Holiday, you know, would be example number one, like DJ LeMayhew, prominent guys who had significant splits for the most part. Um, the Walker in his famously in his 97 year actually had a higher OPS on the road in his in his MVP year. But but look and realize that they level out once they leave altitude. So I, I get very frustrated, as you well know, when people <laughs> don't do their homework. Yeah. And um, so long winded, which, you know, I always am. Todd will make it to the Hall of Fame now, and I did not think that in 2013. It's not going to happen this year, but at some point in time, you and I are going to be sitting here, and we're going to give each other a high five. Not that we had anything to do with it, but that you know he he's going to be the second Rocky to be enshrined. I, I love it. I mean, we'll have to have a Breck Brew in, in Cooperstown too when we're doing that. We'll have to have a, a tailgate, an official DNVR Rockies 
member tailgate. We do them for Broncos games. Uh, we've got one coming up this Sunday against the Detroit Lions. Uh, you can actually come down here to the bar at 10 a.m., get a ticket on the on the bus, on the shuttle, take you over to the stadium. All you can drink Breckenridge Brewery beer. Uh, we got some hard seltzers there as well. We've got the all-you-can-eat sexy pizza. Can't go wrong with that. It's one of the perks of being a member of the DNVR.com. Now just 50 cents for your first month. You also get a bigger beer when you're down here on the corner of Colfax and York. You know we've got happy hour specials from 3 to 6 every day, drink specials. So make sure you're tapping in on that when you subscribe to the DNVR.com. And if you want the annual membership because you already know what we're providing, you do get that free t-shirt. And we've got no issues with the supply chain here. We're stocked. We're locked and loaded. We'll make sure your gifts get to you in time for the holidays. Same thing can be true of Snooze Mattress. They're a new sponsor that we'd love for you to support. It's snoozesleep.com. They've got a snooze flip. That's the name of their four-in-one mattress. It's universal, and it's one that's designed to fit everybody. It's soft, firm, cool, cozy. Flip it for whatever you desire because we know mattresses, they may only last for eight years or so, but your body is going to be changing over that time for better or worse. Nevertheless, you've got those options. It's made by Colorado and designed for the world. And now when you use code DNVR, when you visit snoozesleep.com, you can receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off an adjustable base when using code DNVR over at snoozesleep.com. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They've got an offer every football fan needs to jump in on. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on either NFL team to score, and when they do, it's almost like it's guaranteed lock here, uh, you win $100 in free bets. It's fantastic. It's easy. It's rewarding. DraftKings also allows you to get skin in the game with same-game parlays. So basically, the more legs you add from the same game, the bigger your payout is going to be. Uh, DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, and best of all, you can withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR, and new customers can bet just $1 on either NFL team to score. And if they do, you win $100 in free bets. That's promo, card, D, promo code DNVR this week on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, new customers-only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. How'd I do, Ali? Was that as quick as Ryan? I know he's he's the fastest on the draw for, for that ad read, so I, I got to step my game up there for a little bit. All right, for those that may not know a ton about our friend Clint Hurdle, they know, hey, he was at the helm in 2007 when the Rockies went to their only World Series. Just absolutely fantastic, that run. Tell some folks a little bit more about what Clint Hurdle has meant to the organization or what he did in that 2007 season. You did it in your book, If These Walls Could Talk, um, which you had some help with Benjamin Hockman, but that's a fantastic book. For those who want to get a little taste of that, what was Clint Hurdle? How was he such a linchpin and, and the glue to bring together that incredibly special 2007 squad? Well, I, I think that any great leader um, you know, is a unifier. And Clint is relentlessly positive and upbeat and optimistic. Um, and, you know, he had a good team and he felt like he had a good team and he, he let them run. And I think that also is a sign of a good leader, knowing what you have and kind of, you know, opening the gate and letting the cattle go. And, and he was able to do that. But he was also able to keep it light at times when it was necessary. Um, famously, and you can read the story in the book, and I think many hardcore Rockies fans have heard some version of this, but when the Rockies won game 162 and Milwaukee defeated the Padres to force a game 163, the Rockies were, you know, the next man up in the rotation was Josh Fogg. And he had the, you know, the, the nickname Dragon Slayer because he had won big games against some big names earlier in the season. And, and he's a guy, and there's another guy to bring around because yeah. is such a fun <laughs> person and he's, and, uh, you know, he's unassuming and, uh, but, you know, great competitor and got the most out of, you know, mediocre stuff. And he'd tell you his stuff was probably less than mediocre. And the, the famous, um, 
you know, clubhouse meeting right after game 162 and when the club knew they were going to play the next day against the Padres and Jake Peavy, who won the Cy Young, was going, right? And Clint said, all right, we got the Dragon Slayer tomorrow, Josh Fogg, and 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 Tulowitzki said, you know, we got no effing chance. And the whole room broke up. And you know what? They played loose. And, and you know, that's a byproduct of Clint. And I think one of the reasons that they went on that tremendous run the final couple of weeks of September of of 2007 and made not only Rockies history, but some of the best sports memories period in, in our region were provided by that team. Yeah. As you said, a lot of times the personality of a team can be similar to that of the manager. And you know, that that's what I'm most excited to see next season down on the field is when Clint's hanging around, you know, the new players, the, the 2021 guys, like how, how that's going to bleed into to them and, and the impact that positivity can have on them. Because we know regular season, 162 games can be a slog. And so you need that positive outlook. And, and having Clint around that team, the impact that he had in 2007, you know, that, that can be palpable for next season as well for so many of these young guys. Listen, money talks. But I, I'm, and the reason I preface what I'm about to say is that when this – lockout ends which it'll end at some point and we all have our fingers crossed it sooner rather than later yeah. i don't think it's you know pre-christmas certainly you know it's probably going to walk up and dance with the start of spring training because we know to get two sides together there has to be you know some some things at risk on both sides tick tock tick tock right i mean it's got to be eleven fifty nine and and 58 seconds um, so it, it'll get done, but there's going to be a feeding frenzy. Patrick, you've oh, yeah. talked about it on your podcast. We've talked about it collectively and you, you can't negotiate anymore. If you're a, a general manager, if, if you want the services of a player who's a free agent, it, it's going to go quick and you have to reveal your absolute best hand. And in the case of the Rockies, maybe they have to overpay a little bit because, they're not looked upon right now as one of those organizations they feel like they can contend next year. But I don't know if most of the industry, you know, sees it that way. You know, I've said this before. I've said this with you. You know, Toronto now all of a sudden has put themselves up here. We know where the Dodgers and the Yankees typically are. So if they make an offer, at the end of the day, typically money wins out. But also in the recruiting process, Clint knows everyone in the game. Yeah. He knows agents. He knows players because he's not that far removed from when he was a manager. So there's another guy that can help recruit. I understand money at the end of the day is, is going to be the determining factor most often. But I think he can help in that regard also. And it sounds like he might be working a little bit with player development. And we know that right now the Rockies farm system is definitely on the rise. And, you know, with the success that they had, through both levels of A, high A, low A, uh, and going to the postseason. We know that the the rookie complex league and then down in the Dominican Summer League, you know, they were they were they had a great year. Great year down in the DSL. And so for anyone again, as you said, if you're not paying attention, people were paying attention in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. It was it was hard to ignore consecutive postseasons for the Rockies. And so yeah, people were were starting to notice around that time frame. But you're right, right now you just go, ah, they lost John Gray. They lost Trevor Story, and they don't see that potential there, uh, especially with the starting rotation, especially with the young guys that are on the come up. And so, to your point, yeah, you know, Hurdle's going to do a good job. Money's going to talk, but you might be able to sell a few guys, and that could, you know, that could tip the scales a little bit and say, all right, so this year, it's, nothing's guaranteed, but each year going forward now, the odds are going to get better and better and better with the young pitching staff still kind of coming into their prime. The guys in the minor leagues and the lower levels are going to be there either on the field or as valuable trade chips. Hurdle can do a good job to, to sell that to any free agents out there. Uh, I think that's part of it. Um, again, I think the number one criteria <laughs> is always the bottom line financially. Uh, but I do think Clint will assist um, in, in that regard. And, and I think just having him around and we'll see how it plays out. You know, how frequently, you know, is he bouncing around on the field or in the, or, you know, in the, in the dugout, uh, area because he's entertaining and, you know, buddy's entertaining <laughs> and, and, you know, with Clint and I know he doesn't, he's not doing 
be around just to step on on people's toes that's not his intent but you know some of the, some of the greatest laughs i've had over 20 plus years in the game ha have been you know lines that clint has delivered i remember when barry bonds was going great and uh you know it, it, he was otherworldly and and Clint said, yeah, we, the Rockies are getting ready to play the Giants. And said, Clint said, yeah, you know, he keeps this up. He's going to get called up, you know, to the next league. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, but, uh, you know, one, one of his favorite lines, and and I don't know if if this was a Clint original or if it was a Jamie Quirk, who was his right-hand guy, his bench coach, uh, if it was Jamie's line. But I remember Clint delivering it quite a bit um, about, you know, this isn't the try-hard league. This is the do-good league. You know, the, the kid that came up and had a lot of potential and was working his tail off as you'd think anybody would, but wasn't having results. And, you know, ultimately, he goes, not to try hard league, it's to do good league. Did did Clint and Bud ever overlap with Kansas City? I don't, I'm not sure if they did. They may have just missed each other. Yeah, I know they know each other, obviously. Because um, Clint was famously on, on the cover of Sports Illustrated yeah. as, as the next big thing in prospect. Uh Kind of a slightly older version of Bryce Harper, so to speak, well, tabbed in the in the late seventies there, and but of course, you know, uh, yeah. made made his uh, earnings there with, with Kansas City. So I'm not sure if they did overlap. Might have been. That's another great Clint story. I won't retell it. It's it's in my book. Um, you know, in in the chapter I'd, that we wrote with Clint, and uh, the the day he found out that he was on the cover and how he found out that he was on yes. the cover of, of Sports Illustrated oh, yeah, back yeah. In, the, in the 70s because that was a different, it was a completely different time frame on how one, uh, you know, got information. And that is a classic story. Yeah, if you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated, that was worth like a blue check mark on Twitter, 5 million followers, you know, on TikTok, oh. what, whatever it is, like that was the There was nothing bigger. Nothing. There was nothing bigger nope. in sports in terms of, sports media wasn't there was no sports center there was no Not top yet. 10 plays That's right you are on the car and and that was the holy grail that was the bible of sports yeah back then and great writing and 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 great photography i couldn't wait for my sports illustrated to arrive every week and i read that thing cover to cover as i know you did growing up and and clinton was on the cover man if you were on the cover I mean, enormous. There's nothing like that today. Like I, I no. there's absolutely nothing. It's I, so I'm, I'm big into stand up comedy and I, and I listen to a lot of comedians, and their podcasts and interviews. And there was a time where if you got on Johnny Carson, that was huge. And then if you got called over to the couch, boom, you were, you were golden. And right. now there's not necessarily anything like that in the comedy world. There's a couple of things close, but nothing compared to seventies, eighties, nineties, maybe even early two thousands being on the cover of a Sports Illustrated. It's so much cachet. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, and and it's just funny when you <laughs> go and read and, and you'll you'll love that story and it'll kind of make you chuckle thinking, wow, that's how he found out <laughs> because it seems so far into learn of something of that magnitude in today's world, you know, how how you would learn of such a thing and his and his teammates reactions too oh it's it priceless that, yeah that you did gotta check it out yeah. if these walls could talk stories of i, I what's story, the next yeah, part stories stories from the rockies you That's know it. dug out and holidays are coming us. up yeah. holidays are coming up make sure you get that make sure if you it's need evergreen to, man it was, oh, we perfect, wrote it a couple yeah. years ago but it, it 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 has uh it it definitely has shelf life Oh yeah, yeah. You got information in there about a couple of trades that uh, Larry Walker maybe could have been a part of, and you you can speculate. Oh, what would have happened if they did this, that, and the other? Yeah. So many great, fantastic. I, I appreciate scene. the plug. Uh, hit me up, uh, you know, on on Twitter or whatever, and and I will uh, I'll autograph one and, and send it in your direction. Love that, love that. If you need to get some other holiday gifts, gets like some food, you know, Hassle Cattle Company is going to be the way you go. We brought you damn good beer in Breckenridge Brewery. Well, this is damn good beef. It's so good that you can get Hassle Cattle Company beef right here at the DNVR bar. It's on our menu. You can have it at home when you go to HassleCattleCompany.com. H-A-S-S-E-L-L, -L, CattleCompany.com. And they're hooking you up with a special holiday discount right now of 15% off your entire purchase when you use code DNVR15 at checkout at HassleCattleCompany.com. 
We love saving your money and we love companies that are trying to save the world. That's why we partnered with Ball Aerospace and Technology because they've been practicing diversity for years while other major companies have just talked about it as a workplace idealism. At Ball, you're free to be your authentic self. And right now, they're hiring folks that have technical and mechanical skills to help them manufacture aluminum cans and bottles. They're hiring at over $27 an hour with raises at 6, 12, 18 months, 401k, comprehensive insurance, the day of hire. It's fantastic. They're an iconic brand. They're doing big things, and they want you to be a part of that big thing as well. So text GOLDEN to 77222 and you'll get linked to all their open positions or you can go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. It's holiday season as we said and if you don't know what to get somebody as a gift or stocking stuffer, you've already done the Hassle Cattle Company, you've already gotten If These, uh, if these Walls Could Talk by Drew Goodman, maybe you even got it autographed, you can also check out Manscaped. Yes, they've got the tools to guarantee that you're going to win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition, whatever it may be. It's called the Performance Package, and inside, all kinds of great gifts for you if you want to be the ballsiest gift giver this holiday season with Manscaped. Use code DNVR right now to get free shipping and, more importantly, 20% off. Also, over the weekend, we had some pretty cool news that that kept us hydrated and had a lot of nutrients for us for a couple days. The Hall of Fame. Had a couple committees get together, and we've got six new members of Baseball Hall of Fame. Gil Hodges, Jim Cott, Minnie Minoso, Tony Oliva, Bud Fowler, who played for the Pueblo Pastimes right here in Colorado. Love that connection. Bud uh, Fowler from Cooperstown originally. That too. which would, I think they're one of the streets right outside of Cooperstown is Fowler Way. Mm-hmm. And probably the most famous, at least to some, Buck O'Neill. Uh, the sixth and final member of that Hall of Fame class. Do you know on a, um, I don't know how I would phrase this, but I was particularly, I was pleased for all of those folks. Um, and, and, you know, several are no longer with us, obviously. But um, I was particularly pleased for Buck O'Neill. Yeah. Who I had the uh, the pleasure and the uh, the honor of meeting on a, on a couple of occasions who did, you know, so much not only... On, on the field clearly, but in advancing the history of the Negro Leagues and the roles played by so many that one have heard, people have heard of when you talk about, you know, naturally it begins with Jackie Robinson, you know, the Larry Dobies of the world, but many that you perhaps were unaware of. And, you know, the, the Negro League Baseball uh, Museum in Kansas City, which is a must-see for any baseball fan, for any, any American. And uh, so I was particularly pleased that Buck O'Neill um, was honored, as he, as he should be, should have been. So that's wonderful. And growing up, as you and I did back east, and, you know, being Mets fans and you know, my, my first, uh, I guess, coming of age was watching the great run of the 69 Mets overcoming the, the deficit against the Cubs and then their run ultimately through the uh, Baltimore Orioles in five games in the 69 World Series. And their manager was Gil Hodges, who was, by all accounts, just a wonderful gentleman and, uh, you know, a, a great leader. You know, I, I still follow some older Mets, Art Shamsky, and they rave about the kind of human being that Gil Hodges was and the kind of leader he was. Um, But let's not forget, he was also a terrific player in a Dodger uniform, a great player. Um, So that, that, those two really stood out. Now, if you're, you know, if you're, you're from Minnesota and, you know, Tony Oliva goes in, you know, Kitty Cott, who who pitched forever, literally, <laughs> right? twenty five years, and, and then Whew. did so much on the broadcasting end. Uh, that you know, great, awesome, Minnie Minosa. So, I, it, in it in itself, that that the Veterans Committee, what a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful group that that is now added, and a guy that I don't know very well at all, but have great respect for you know his his. Uh, journalism and following the game and writing about the game, Tim Kirchhoff. Yeah, that was uh, one that came out, I think might have been Tuesday, 
where he was uh, selected there for a Ford C. Frick award, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I think it was uh, J.G. Taylor Spink. The, the Taylor Spinks, yeah, the writer's wing. Yeah, which they may have even renamed. But yeah, it's fantastic. It's, you know, there there's kind of similar similarities between Kirkjian and Buck O'Neill, much more so for Buck O'Neill. But, you know, a, as you're talking about Buck O'Neill, it makes me think about how to put, you know, what Buck O'Neill has meant to the Negro Leagues into some kind of context because, you know, Jackie Robinson was the first, right? Broke the color barrier. Not the first African-American. There were others before that. Um, the the Moses Fleetwood Walker uh, and his brother Moelde Walker played professionally. But then Cap Anson, who's in the Hall of Fame, we can talk about that on another time if, if he should be out or whatever. But he was the one who put a foot down and said, we're not going to have that anymore. And, oh, we have to wait until 1947. So Jackie Robinson, the first one, to break the color barrier uh, for African-Americans, but he wasn't the best. He was just the right man for the job. And so that kind of starts moving along and going forward. And then, you know, it really isn't until Ken Burns' baseball that there is this newfound love affair or at least appreciation of the Negro Leagues where you've got Buck O'Neill and this thousand-watt smile talking about the guys that he played against and and also talking about the the segregation and the racism that he faced and bringing that to light more because you know frankly there wasn't a lot known the negro leagues hadn't been played in 35 40 years by that point of the documentary so there wasn't people really talking about it too much and he helped kind of bring that back into the spotlight in a major way he didn't just talk about it other people talked about it if you go back and watch uh, Baseball by Ken Burns, but he talked about it in such a way uh, and had the the credentials and, and, and enough to make you understand, wow, there's a big piece of baseball history that we need to go back and acknowledge and do a better job of understanding. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, th- there's so many facets of the game of baseball that um, I love and, and you know, adore, but also, um, you know, baseball has at times, you know, mirrored where we are as a country and the mistakes we've made as a country and the advancements we've made as a country. And that's another thing that you learned with one of the great documentarians ever in, in Ken Burns, you know, great um, and, and lengthy um, history of baseball. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, did a documentary on the Civil War. Yes. Did one on jazz. I think he's done a couple since then, but yeah. just just fantastic. And that documentary, I don't think, would have been what it is without Buck O'Neill. So it's great. He's finally in the Hall of Fame. And, and are you going to the Negro League Hall of Fame? Or excuse me, the Negro League Museum anytime soon that you know of? Uh, not that I know of. Are you looking at me like maybe I'm? I'm not looking. You may, at... you may be. Colorado goes to Kansas City this year. I, you know what? I excuse, How about I'm that. Gonna... <coughs> excuse me. Tight. Excuse me. Um. Yeah, they go to they travel then, to Kansas then, City. Then there's a very good chance I there will is. because I be exciting. You know what? I hadn't. I I, sh- I usually know the schedule backwards and forwards. But I have to be <laughs> honest because of COVID last year and we didn't travel. Yeah, and we're finally scheduled to travel again you know i usually scrutinize that thing and say oh wow you got an off day in in new york got an off day in washington oh cool we haven't been to detroit in a while going to detroit and um so i haven't looked at that schedule and really broken it down because when it came out we were still in the midst of doing road games from our studio so that's awesome so you're right in the next six months maybe you'll be on the road with us and uh we'll you and i'll go down there because we'll listen without question, I will be there because we'll have three days uh, from which to uh, to make our way to the museum. So that'll be, be exciting. And I'll I'll let you pick up the tab for barbecue too. I hear barbecue is pretty good in Kansas Bar- City. Barbecue's good. Um, I will pick up that tab. Um, I know you, and you know me, and we're going to go and run. You're going to run further than I will, but to work it off. Is there a river trail in Kansas City? Um, I, like they're, that. they're down. Um, in the uh, oh, what's what's the name of that area that we stay? It's a you know, it's kind of the hip area, uh, but yeah, you, you can run on the on, you know, it's kind of a man-made waterway hmm. uh, down there. But uh, there's also a park up. I'll show you. I'll get you. I got you taken care of. 
appreciate park it. Park where there was a Civil War battle. Civil War battle in Kansas City? Um, not yet. Really? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Learn something. Yeah. I learned something. There you go. Uh, I have, in, in my collection, uh, having gone to Cooperstown many times, one of my most prized collect, uh, pieces of memorabilia is an autographed photograph of Buck O'Neill, who at the time I didn't quite revere. Like I did today, I think I was I was much younger. I was like maybe twelve, mm. uh, and that that's something I I value and, and and cherish. And it's it's to him. Would have loved it if he was wearing his Kansas City Monarchs uniform. He was wearing a Cubs hat for when he was coach first African American uh, as a coach. Uh, helped sign Ernie Banks. Just just a fantastic human being, a Buck O'Neill. So that made me think: What in your collection do you love the most? of items that you've had either that was given to you or that you you bought? I will answer that question by telling you I've really not done a, a great job of of collecting. Mm. Um your 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 memorabilia is up in your head. You, well, you've got all the stories. You know, to sure tell. a little bit. Um that makes sense. I, I just I, I've never I've never been a big autograph person. Um now that's not to say I don't have I, I have some baseballs that you know Tom Seaver, uh, you know Hall of Hall of Fame guy you know Joe Morgan Mackie Sasser uh, Mackie Sasser I you know Hall of Famers on there um, I have a jersey that uh, a, a thirty two Dodger jersey frame that was you know it's autographed by Sandy Koufax so I would probably be uh, you know, near the top of the, the shelf. My dad, who passed about seven months ago, worked the press gate in 1951 at the Polo Grounds, and he has books. And back then, uh, a good buddy of mine, who, who's a huge Rockies fan, he's from back east, went to a million uh, fantasy camps, my buddy Kevin Keating, and he's an, he's a, an expert, and he's an authenticator, and and so on and and back then what people did when they got an autograph to preserve it they thought the best way to preserve it was put scotch tape over it so my dad has i mean he has ted williams autograph like 15 times he has dimaggio oh, wow. he has all willie mays he has a baseball from the 51 giants with mays and derosher and you know and, and bobby thompson all those folks on there right and so he has a, a lot of those, and I I now have them, you know, in, in my possession. Uh, you know, people have said, "Man, that's got to be worth a, a ton of money." But so many of the autographs I said had had the tape over it, which unfortunately devalued it. Not, but but intrinsically, yeah. more importantly, uh, so that's uh, you know that, that's kind of the stuff I have. Yeah, I have tons of baseball cards from the late '80s, early '90s. They're mm -hmm. worthless. But they mean the world to me, so I'm, I don't plan on getting rid of them. Even yeah. if they were expensive, uh, that wouldn't matter. Have you thought about if, if if you could have a piece of memorabilia, what would it be? Like you just kind of make a, a grand wish. Maybe it's something with the polo grounds tied to your father. Something out there that regardless yeah. of the cost, what was something you'd like to have? Wow, that's a great question. Yeah. I, and it's one I've never really thought much about uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a great. So one. I feel like so much of memorabilia is just kind of kept away in a closet or a box, and so if you're going to get something, you, you maybe you want to see it. I, I have one I just thought of. And again, these are not. Uh, I, I bought this for my dad, and I believe actually I think I bought it through my buddy Kevin Keating. Um, a photo of Willie Mays with his back at the Polo Grounds to with back to the yep. infield catching the drive. Uh, in the World Series that Vic Wirtz hit in the, was it 54 World Series I believe um, and in making that catch over his head mm -hmm. and it's autographed by by Mays and you know obviously it's a black and white photograph pretty cool pretty cool in fact you just reminded me um, that I'm going to uh, I it's I have to find a place in the in the house to put that one up that's a good one I, I've, I've got a brick from Coors Field uh, my Uncle and cousin from down in Colorado Springs, they helped build uh, Coors Field, did some of the uh, electrical work and inside the old building. That's that's another one of those interesting fun facts that people may not realize. And depending on the word choice you use, uh, you know, it can can make it fictional, uh, if you will. But that part of part of Coors Field is actually older than Wrigley Field, right? 
uh, out out in, in right field on the corner of whatever that would be, Blake and uh, 19th, in right field. perhaps. No, yeah, it would be uh, 20, old, 22nd Street. Yeah, 22nd. So the, the student movers building, essentially, it was, mm-hmm. was built before Wrigley Field. And so they, you know, incorporated that in, into right field. And so anyway, I, I, I've got a, a brick that was used, one of the lighter oh, wow. sand colored one. And it's got the little stamp in it. So it does say Coors Field on do, it. Do you know, we, we bought, when Coors Field was being built, we bought on, on the walkway there, which is now, you know, right by McGregor Square, we bought a brick as a family. Well, actually, we bought a brick before we had family because we, hadn't, <laughs> we didn't even have kids then. But, um, and I'm, and, and I have no idea where it is. And I'm trying to remember if I ever saw it. I think I probably must've seen it at some point, but I have no idea where it is, uh, you know, on the layout. If you see it, take a picture of it, yeah. send it into, uh, at Drew Goodman 42 on Twitter. It, it's gotta be there somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Somebody can help me out. Someone staring down, you know, I would think, I would think, uh, a cool piece of memorabilia would be uh, a seat from a stadium, right? Somewhere. Yeah. I think I even saw somewhere I was looking around for fun. Not like, you know, I've got, I've got money to blow, but it was a, it was a purple seat from when they did renovations up in the party deck. You know, there's not too many of those, you know, from there. And, yeah, that's you know, cool. they that's still nice have the original piece. seating. That would be something neat. Do you have one of those? Or you I do not. No, okay. I have, um, I have to give you my address so you can get it to me in time. If that's what you're saying, for yeah, that, I was uh, absolutely. Suggesting? Yeah, <laughs> actually, you you blew it. I I had already purchased it, but you know, I'll, I'll act get, surprised. Yeah, it's no, yeah. Well, I'll have to give it to somebody else now. <laughs> but yeah. pull a polo ground seat would, you know, might might would be probably be nice less comfortable piece. than the than the uh, purple seat. It newer, would be pr- newer model. Yeah, it, no, it it would have to be be pretty tight. Yeah, for that. Yeah, I, I had another question about about memorabilia too. About you know, ultimately, like, would you would you rather have a baseball signed or a flat picture? I mean, you said you've got the maze that's autographed. I, I'll tell you, you, because you, you now you jog my memory. I, for me, photos are especially you know because i've been very privileged to do what i do and fortunate to do what i do i i think one of my prized possessions because i'm not a big collector and i'm yeah. not uh i'm not into idolatry quite frankly and but they're people you have great respect for and you understand right. um so it so it's neat um you, you know just a little bit like, like there was a picture of clint and i uh, I think it was during fantasy camp once. And so it's funny because we're both in uniform, right? <laughs> and and Clint wrote me a really, you know, personal, nice message on there. And I have that framed in my office. I, the one I was alluding to, though, was I have a couple from Vin Scully. Ooh. Um, and, and the picture with the two of us and just a very warm um you know, salutation, if you will, you know, from yeah. the greatest to ever do it. And, you know, I don't play. I'm a broadcaster. And so having that, and I have that framed and a couple of them up in, up in my office and um, that, you know, that's pretty cool. Oh, I'd, I'd agree. I think that my favorite story for people who have memorabilia was when they were tearing down Tiger Stadium. So, you know, we, we know Vin Scully now, and uh, he, he's on Twitter as well. Uh, I'm not sure how much he, he's on there, but people from this generation know him, even if they've never heard a game called by him because he, he just kind of transcends, and he's still there. He's still ever-present. But Ernie Harwell, who was kind of in that class too, and so they were tearing down Tiger Stadium. They asked Ernie Harwell, what do you want? Pick anything that you want from the stadium. I think I want to say Johnny Damon got like the foul pole uh, at the at the you know the old Yankee Stadium, a bunch of random things. Where do you put a foul pole up, by the I way? I don't. I put don't. Put that in the middle of your living room and and go up seven stories. Catwalk. I, I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But Ernie Harwell thought about it long and hard, and he said, "I want the urinal in the visiting team's locker room." And he said that because he said every all the greatest American League hitters 
for decades have used that urinal. And so he got it. He put it in his wife's garden, you know, put some plants in there, made it look all nice, jazzed that, it up. Is that right? And I thought, I think that's the right call, right? Because what, what do you actually want? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I'd like to think I wouldn't be thinking about a urinal, um, but maybe that's why, you know, he was as great as he was. That's deep. That's deep thinking. Either that. A or lot of guys, you know, utilize that urinal. Utilize. Is, yeah. yeah. I remember, like you know, it was kind of eerie real quick. Uh, you know, Tiger Stadium thing. Tiger Stadium was, it took him a while to tear it down. And we know the city of Detroit's, you know, had a lot of issues, you know, through the years. There's a lot of vacant buildings. And, and for a number of years, the Tiger Stadium was, was vacant. Yeah. And I would, on the occasion that the Rockies played in Detroit, um, and, and there was a period where they played there twice, and you know, it seemed like you know four or five years we were there. And I would run by there, because you and I, again, we've talked about this, we both like to run, and I look at it when I'm in visiting cities, I have my favorite runs, but it's sightseeing, right? So I would run by there, and it was kind of eerie, because honestly, Patrick, before they ripped it down, it's like they put fencing, you know how they do when a, a building's, you know, construction zone, right? No longer in, in use and it's getting ready to be raised, that sort of thing. They put the, the fencing around, locked the gate. And I'm telling you, it's like whatever, whoever the Tigers played in that final home game at Tiger stadium, they left that day and, and locked it up and nobody ever walked in there again. It was really eerie. I mean, it, it looked like there were still wow. hot dog wrappers blowing around, uh, you know, usually if something gets shut down and, and they're preparing it to be demolished, you, you have a sense of that. You were like, man, they haven't played here in whatever it was, two, three, four, five years. And it was, it, it looked like, yeah, there was a game here, you know, recently and they just left and there's weeds growing up. It was, as I said, it was kind of eerie. Yeah. I, I mean, I wonder how close that was to the time when they filmed 61. Because I know Billy Crystal used Tiger Stadium as sort of a stand-in for Yankee Stadium. Because you think, at least in certain parts, there was kind of some similarities between Tiger Stadium and, I guess, the original iteration of Yankee Stadium. Because, of course, they went had the major renovations in the late 70s, and so it looked a little bit different. But I know uh, that Tiger Stadium was at least you know used for that. So went to one game at Tiger Stadium. I was shooting a show. Uh, we used to do this show called The Big Ten Report, and <laughs> I was doing it with a, a gentleman by the name of Jim Brandstatter, who remains the voice of the of the Michigan Wolverines. Been there forever. He played at Michigan. Uh, he, his partner's Dan Deardorff now, two yeah. former Michigan offensive lineman. But anyhow, I was doing this show with Jim Brandstatter, and we we finished shooting in Ann Arbor, and we were flying out the next day. So I, um, uh, you know, drove down with. Uh, producer guy by the name of Sam Allen at the time and we got tickets to at Tiger Stadium Jack Morris pitched that night and I understood what they meant by there's obstructed view seats because I was seated Ooh. right next to I was if I was one seat over there would be a pole like kind of you'd have to be doing this you know the whole <laughs> game to watch and you know you saw the overhang in right field I mean it was it was neat stuff I'm, I'm glad I got to at least go to one ball game there. I did not. I did not. Comerica Park, that's it. I, yeah. I missed out on Tiger Stadium. That's Comerica's a good one. Comerica's a good park. That's a good one. Yeah. Drew Goodman's got Fran Fraschilla on the podcast this week. Back-to-back -back college basketball uh, yeah. guest. Yeah, I think we're going to do – Yeah, and Fran's so good, good. And we talked at length about, you know, not only the programs here in state with Colorado and Colorado State and um, – you know, uh, Joe Scott's doing a good job down at, at, at Air Force Academy as well, but talked about the national picture and, and talked about uh, a lot of interesting things, and he's a wealth of knowledge. So we're actually going to do it over a couple of, of parts. I talked this week also about Jay Norvell, who Colorado State just yeah. hired, and I know you guys were all over it on the DNVR, you know, Rams podcast uh, as well. But, um, you know, definitely I, I had some, you know, significant thoughts, I think, on, on Coach Norvell, a guy I got to know, uh, a little bit uh, doing some Nevada games over the years. I think it's a winning hire uh, for Colorado State. I think it's a great hire, but um, we'll talk about that, some other doings in, in, in college football, touch a little bit on what's going on in baseball as well. So, yep, yeah, thanks for the plug.
Yeah, no, I, I thought it was fantastic again for anyone that that's not aware of, you know, Jay Norvo, but you do a good job of kind of highlighting his background and how CSU is such a good fit with the facilities and, and so many other things that you go on to detail. So yeah, last week and this week with Fran Fraschilla, uh, absolute bangers, uh, as we, as us kids say, I guess, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's drops today on Thursday. So yep. if you listen to the podcast, of course, you can get that. Make sure you download uh, the Drew Goodman podcast and subscribe to that. Subscribe to the DNVR Rockies podcast as well. He's uh, at Drew Goodman 42 on Twitter. You can reach out to him and I'm Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter, our account at DNVR underscore Rockies. Thanks so much for joining with us. This has been fun. Make sure you're tuning in next week. Subscribe to the dnvr.com, even if you just want that bigger beer. I mean, that's going to pay for the price of subscription alone, of course. So uh, for DNVR Sports, Drew Goodman, Patrick Lyons, thanks for tuning in to DNVR Rockies. <laughs>